0: My name is Dr. Justin Alger, and this is the first six-episode premiere of the Future
1: Future
0: College Parent Podcast.
1: My parents didn't know the questions to ask, but they knew, to some extent, the buckets. Like, they knew it cost money. They knew there was supposed to be a goal. And I think if you have that framework, then you can start to formulate your questions around that.
0: Hello, future college parents, moms, dads, and any family member who's helping a student get to college. Welcome to the first six-episode premiere of the Future College Parent Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to arming parents like you, our original influencers, with free information and resources to help the next generation of students prepare, choose, and finance college. And by college, I mean any and all education after high school or equivalent, and by parent, I mean anyone helping a young human through schooling towards college. The show is predicated with the belief that anyone can access and pay for college that they want to, and should start preparing as early as the sixth grade. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Alger, but it's okay to call me Justin. That voice you heard over the intro music is the guest of episode one, Dr. Jermaine Williams, president of Nassau Community College, and a first-generation college student himself. I must add, since the time I recorded this episode, Jermaine has been named the president of Montgomery College, a community college located in Montgomery County, Maryland. And I congratulate him, and I wish him well. But let me tell you, if you're going to start a podcast about helping parents become future college parents, why not go straight to the top and get an actual college president? Jermaine and I were first introduced several years ago through a professional organization we're both members of. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met and is all about providing access and equity to higher education. I couldn't think of anyone better to start the show out with. Now, before we get on to our conversation, I want to provide a disclaimer. And no, lawyers were not involved in this one. But I want listeners to know that I am not a seasoned interviewer, an audio technician, or a social media expert, but what I am is an educator who only wants to help armed parents with information to help their students, period. And I'm asking that as I begin this journey, and as we begin this journey, that you please focus on the content and not the delivery, and I promise that I'll get better. And now, here's my interview with Jermaine Welcome to the Future College Parent Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and helping future parents, future college parents, and thank you for being one of our first six guests. You are guest number one for our six-episode premiere of the Future College Parent Podcast. Thanks, Jermaine.
1: It is an absolute pleasure, Justin. Thank you for having me. I'm very
0: excited to be with you today. Well, let's jump right into it. Fantastic. Can you share with us, what about your journey from high school to college do you think informed the path that
1: you're on now? The, the resources that came with my journey and realizing the individuals who helped me along the way, and, and that's really what has, has informed you know, where I am now, knowing that those resources were, were so essential and so much more than I, I thought I ever would ever need to successfully transition.
0: So what type of resources, your, your folks, your school...
1: Absolutely. That's one of the great things um, about the podcast, Justin, and why I'm so excited to be here is because I didn't even know what those resources were when I was transitioning as a first-generation college student. Um, You know, it's not only until I reflect back and think about that, given my time in higher education professionally, um, that I identify what was important. And and you started to hit the nail, you know, right on the head, um, you know, community resources from you know, my, my church, um, to my coaches, uh, excuse me, to teachers, to the counselors who were in colleges, um, there was so many resources and, and such a, um, uh, such connectivity with uh, a, a large array of individuals and groups. I didn't even, I didn't even expect I would need all that support to successfully transition. And looking back, I realized that all that support was absolutely critical for a successful
0: transition. Tell me if if you don't understand, or you don't have a sense, or your 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 parents don't necessarily have a sense of the, of the processes. How can colleges respond to, to parents in that in that scenario or that situation?
1: From my from my lived experience um, as a first generation college student, and from my professional experience, so it's identifying what individuals, what parents, in this case, what they do know, and then leveraging that to provide information that we know will help them to support their students. So you think of the major components of institutions of higher education, whether it be financial aid or support services or academics, and then you kind of want to get a baseline of what do your parents, you know they're influencers, we know they can support their students and they want to, um, but we got to get a baseline of what they know. And then once you know that, then we can uh, appropriately provide information so that they can be more knowledgeable and be able to have a greater impact on on their students.
0: So essentially, creating an environment that's where colleges are student and parent ready f- for the process.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. As as we've discussed, you know, having this uh, paradigm shift of being student ready, and, and that involves the parents, right? So we want to know what students um, we're embracing as far as, you know, where they are with everything from socially, academically, culturally, emotionally, but we also want to know that about their parents, right? Because we know that parents are such an integral part of our students' lives. And we know that when they, at community college like where I work, we don't have student housing. Our students are going back and forth every day. They're going back to their family components. So we need to be able to ensure that their, their parents are, are there and are able to, to support them with you know, some useful knowledge about colleges and universities that as first-generation college students, uh, first-generation um, parents of first-generation college students, um, we may need to be able to support them with.
0: And so in your role, when you're when you're getting to do the work, that you really care about, you know, the work that led you to take take the job. What kind of things are you doing?
1: Asking a lot of questions. The um, what can we do to enhance? Right. What can we do to better support students? What can we do to um, meet our regional workforce demands? Right. What? How is our demographic changing, and how do we need to change? Right. Why are we doing things this way, and what can we do differently in order to equitably enhance student access, completion, and post-completion success in a, in a manner that is data-informed? So that's what I'm doing. When I'm you know, really you know, having fun, um, which is all the time, it's you know, looking at what we're doing and how we can make systemic and systematic change together as a, as a college and as a community and the entire ecosystem so that we can advance in an equitable and data informed manner, student access completion and post-completion success, knowing full well that we want our students to leave with a job that has a livable family wage, provides social mobility, or they transfer to an institution where ultimately that, that occurs.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of times when people think of, or maybe when parents think of the president of a college, they they normally see you you show up at an orientation, you show up at a you know campus event, you're shaking hands and, and you're kissing babies and that type of thing. But there's really a lot more to to what it is that you're doing outside of those very surface level conversations that you're having with with parents and students.
1: I, I would also add that um, those conversations are exhilarating and extremely important because, you know, I take those back and, you know, pull pieces and, and, and share with other folks. I was just talking with a parent and this was their experience. Or so I was talking with a student and and this was their experience. I was the um until COVID and I used to walk around a lot and just randomly engage students and ask how they're doing. And that was also one of the best parts of, of the day is when I would just leave the office, get out of meetings and you know, go find out from the students exactly what their experience is and, you know, how they were faring at the institution.
0: If you have parents that have no clue what questions are to ask, what type of questions should they be thinking of? What type of things should they want to know?
1: It's a really interesting question given the, you know, the kind of infrastructure of higher education and all the the nuances and the jargon that I'm trying to stay away from during our
0: during our, our conversation,
1: <laughs> the questions you think about as far as think about the purpose of the experience, and then the questions that apply, right? So let's think about the purpose of of college, right? Or the foci, right? I mean, you're thinking about the academic purpose. You're thinking about the, the social development, right? The cultural development. You're thinking, you know, about the you know professional development. And those are just kind of a few categories. You're obviously thinking about the financial component of college, right? So all those things, if you put them into large buckets, as a you know, a, a individual who's a first generation college student, my parents didn't know the questions to ask, but they knew to some sort to some extent the buckets, like they knew it cost money, they knew there was supposed to be a goal. And I think if you have that framework, then you can start to formulate your questions around that, even if they are, you know, kind of, you know, just like the, so what will my student be able to do after they graduate? Or academically, what will they experience? And that can kind of go deeper into other questions as the person responds to you.
0: I wanted to shift gears and I wanted to talk about what are, what are the types of students that are accepted into community college? Sort of a a broad generalization of, of who the community college student is. The
1: beauty, one of the beauties of community colleges is in the way in which they were founded in terms of open access institutions of, of higher education. For the most part, community colleges, you know, are, are not that old, around 50, 60 years. You will find, I mean, the first, you know, community college out in the Midwest is, you know, 100 years old, and you'll find some others that have been around for a while, but but for the most part, you know, 50, 60-ish years, and really founded on this idea of being open access institutions of higher education that support the community, right? In more ways than one, they support the community in the sense of they're close by, so close in proximity. You don't have to travel far within your community to receive a high quality education. They also support the community in terms of, and I've mentioned this before, you know, workforce, right? And the, and the economy, the economic vitality, of the of the community. So when you think about the open access in nature and you think about the other components of the historical mission of community colleges, that's really what what you think about. Another kind of add on to that is you kind of have your comprehensive, this is a jargon word, community college, which looks at not only it looks at transfer. So students who are going to transfer after two years or a certain period of time, and students who will go directly into the workforce. And then you have um, community colleges that are solely focused on one or the either. They're solely focused on kind uh, of the transfer component or they're solely focused on, okay, the, the job, the workforce component. And um, I'm lucky enough to work at a comprehensive community college. So our students want to, you know, some of them want to transfer to a four-year institution and some of them are really looking to come in and, you know, Get into an Allied Health program, occupational therapy, radiological technology, surgical technology, and they're looking to go into the workforce. So um, that's a little bit of a a brief overview.
0: And I think you talked about open access, and I think about when I was when I was a a youngster entering the college search process, and I sort of we had a we had a small technical school that was you know sixteen miles down the road, and I sort of had this perception that you know they let anybody into this school so maybe it's it's lesser or maybe it's not as academically rigorous just because they let they let anybody into the institution
1: there is a high level of academic rigor and when we think about it and this is kind of where i thread the needle of you know our conversation and too much jargon and you think about what um I say, authenticates an institution of higher education um, in in the United States and then kind of outside of of the United States. Think about accreditation. Community colleges are accredited by the same accrediting bodies as your four-year institutions, your small, you know, private institutions, your large research public institutions. They're all accredited by the same agencies, and those are regionally based. But you think about a nursing program. Right. The same accrediting body that is looking at a nursing program at a four year institution is going through and making sure that community colleges are as rigorous um, with their nursing program. So you think about if you, there is a certain standard and a benchmark, institutions of higher education you know, have to um, seek. And a lot of that oftentimes is, is through accreditation and, and community colleges are accredited institutions of of higher education. I mean, another one of the things I'll share with you is, um, you know, you look at, interestingly enough, um, you can look at the students who spend two years at a community college getting a great foundation, a fantastic academic experience for an affordable cost, and then transition to a four-year institution. And you can compare their graduation rates with students who started at the institution itself. Um, And and in my experience, and it depends, it's not across the board, um, but I think that would be a question you may wanna ask if you're thinking about rigor, because in my experience, those have been pretty close, if not even um, higher for the students who start at community colleges. And again, that depends, it's not across the board, but it's just, it illustrates the rigor that a student can successfully transition to a four-year institution because, of the great foundation they've received at their community college.
0: So if I'm so if I'm a parent and I and I'm on the fence of, well, or I have this perception that in order for my student to, or if my student's going to attend college, they're going to attend a they need to attend a four year institution because those two year schools, um, who knows who knows what's going on with those? And I think in your in your uh, your four pillars. Um, your four pillars address, you you, adri- you suggest that we must eliminate the stigma in the community that people might associate with attending community college. And, the, and I know that rigor is certainly one of those things, but taking a look at graduation rates or retention rates, uh, once students do transfer into those four-year schools, you're suggesting that they're, that they're either comparable or, or potentially better in a lot of cases, maybe not most cases.
1: It definitely is something, in my experience, it's definitely something you would want to research individually with each institution, but having been at several institutions, um, you know, in the, in the East Coast, and the Midwest, and in, in New England, um, I, I can say that I've often found them to be comparable, um, if not, you know, slightly better, depending on the, on the, on the population. Um, another thing I would say is, you know, as, as far as the idea of a community college, and you think about, at the end of the day, when you graduate, if you choose to go to a four-year institution and you have received your associates from a, a community college, at the end of the day, you also receive a credential from the four-year institution. There's no, there's not an asterisk. There's not something that says Jermaine only attended this institution for two years. There's the diploma says, insert your four-year institution here. It's a, it's the same diploma. Um, that you're getting, except for the fact that as a student you pay two years of community college tuition and fees, and not four years of a public or private tuition and fees. But you leave with the same end result.
0: That makes sense. Regardless of where you start, where you finish, it's the same. That makes that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, what type of what type of skills or aptitude or knowledge base or, or awareness? Do you recommend that that students develop to be successful at a community college?
1: you know students bring uh you know the the energy uh the excitement uh, to experience newness the the transparency to share what is occurring and the, and sometimes that takes courage because community colleges, a higher education, different experiences. And I say that the, the transparency and courage because listening to students is how we make change. And I go back to being student ready. If we don't know that something is impacting a student or several students in a way, a certain way that may be, you know, deleterious to their trajectory, um, then we can't adjust to that. We can't make the change, right? So when I say, you know, kind of that idea of want to be open to things that are new, but also transparent and courageous with sharing your experience, because that provides us an opportunity to learn and provides us with the, you know, opportunity to really change and pivot so that we can best support, support students. Uh, um, So those would be some, some, some big ideas really, um, you know, the faculty and staff at community colleges—they want to see students succeed, and I'm, I'm sure that's a, you know it's colleges and universities across. But I'm speaking specifically as a community college president. You know, we want to see students succeed, so you know we we want to know what we can do to help you to help you succeed. So I think you know the energy, along with the energy, is you know the dreams. Take what you want to do and bring that, kind of just. Um, <laughs> As passionately as you can, and let's pursue it together, right? This is a place for you to start your dreams and ensure you can accomplish what you want to
0: accomplish. So, what about from an academic preparedness standpoint? So, it's my it's my perception, and I think there's there's data support that uh, a lot of community college students come to the community college academically underprepared. How how can you how can we leverage if our if our parents know that our students aren't aren't the the most academically um, either gifted or academically focused, right? How do how do we how do we advise our parents to encourage their our, their students to seek out resources and help that the community colleges or that, that the community college provides?
1: So I'm saying that's for for parents you know, you can ask the questions in terms of how are things going specifically. And I think that's one of the things keying on, you know, having um, really worked with parents a lot in the past, especially with you, Justin, it's, um, you know, parents are so filled with pride and so much care for their students. And when you're having that college journey, that community college journey specifically, it's how do you ask that level of detail? How is your X class going? Why is it going like this? How was this exam? How was, you know, what are the names of your professors? How are you feeling? And then are you taking advantage of the Writing Center? What resources are there? Have you seen your academic advisor? Um, What did they say? What did they say when you went to the Career Services Center? Um, You know, because you're, just so you know, parents out there, you're paying for all that. All that's included. All these great support services, it's including your tuition and fees. So that's a part of the the package deal. And you really can leverage that as a holistic community college experience.
0: So college is more than just being in the classroom, essentially, right? So you learn, you go to the classroom and you learn and you engage with the academic material, but then there are opportunities on the outside, outside of the walls of the institution or the walls of the classroom really to to help get a deeper understanding or to get an understanding if you didn't understand the first time
1: or and or to become kind of a more connected to the institution which will make you more excited about you know attending classes right being able to see yourself at the institution whether it's through a club or org organization or um, as a student athlete or as a student worker um you know so as something else for for parents, as far as what, you know, what work opportunities are there at the community college, whether it's through work study, so financial aid or student worker or something completely different and just, you know, within the fabric of the institution um, as a sole kind of institutional employee. But when you think about that, is uh, are there other opportunities that will help your students, you know, be able to see themselves fully at that institution? Like, oh, I... I see myself here. This is an educational home for me. I am excited about attending class. I am excited about seeing my academic advisor.
0: And you think, and you think that's 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 realistic? That students that students feel that way? Let me let me get up and go to class. Let me go see my academic advisor.
1: Yes, I've had I've had those uh, relationships with as an academic advisor. Absolutely, I think if we can and we can get students seeing themselves and it's i mean there's a lot of research about sense of belonging and and the impact of, of sense of belonging and having you know being involved in an, an atmosphere in this case a community college where one um i can i can see myself there i feel as though i belong two i believe that the people there genuinely want to see me succeed and 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 thirdly the individuals there are willing to put forth the time and effort to help me succeed. So can I see, can I see myself there? You know, is this like an educational home? Do I believe like, am, am I, the second, like, am I actually embraced them? And do I believe that people there want to see me succeed? And then the, then the next step is, you know, do, are people there actually taking action to help me succeed? Right. Cause you could believe it and not take action, right. You could see yourself there, but if, Nobody else sees you there. No one, think anybody, you know, people don't think you can succeed. So it's kind of that, those three parts. And there's a lot of research on sense of belonging. I kind of distilled it to some things, Um, but there's sense of belonging is very powerful. And having an educational home,
0: um, you know, I mean, it's meaningful. So I'm going to ask. I'll get into those last two questions that I have, and these are the questions that I'm asking. Of everyone. So higher ed and secondary educa- education don't necessarily have a formal way of communicating, right? So think of yourself as a, spokes- a spokesman for higher education, and maybe can you share some advice that you have for secondary education as a whole? We need to
1: capitalize on what we know works. There's a There are a lot of partnerships out there that work, whether they be You know, individual college to high school, college to school district, or whether they be legislative. There's some great things happening across the country with um, legislation that really encourages a a higher education, secondary education um, collaboration. So I I think it's, you know, again, one of the takeaways and one of the things I would share is we know um, some promising practices, successful strategies. Let's really dive into those, investigate those, and the one other piece I would I would add, and I share this with superintendents, and we share back and forth. I've shared it several times with you in our brief conversation. Is um, how can we ensure we're uh, addressing equity gaps with what we're doing, right? How can we ensure that we're looking at what's occurring in a, a way that's you know socially just and everyone has an equitable opportunity for really for access completion and post-completion success. And we're not just continuing with the kind of the haves and the have-nots, right? But this is um, there are some great components that are happening. There's some fantastic um, conversations that at Nassau Community College, we've had with um, several superintendents and, and we have a couple of programs that are uh, slated to start in the fall where we're, we're going to have um, high school students who are at the college, you know, pretty much taking their entire senior year of their high school at, at Nassau Community College. So there's great partnerships there and I think we just have to really bolster those because there's there's fantastic um, fantastic things that we can do together.
0: So you have so you've created a program where where seniors are going to sit in their senior engage in their in their senior work at the community college,
1: yes, through a partnership with a few uh, school districts, we have we have done that. And uh, and again, I wish I could say it's new and it's 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 innovative. And the reality is, um, you know, we know that that keeps students engaged. We know it works. We know it'll have positive outcomes. And we need to, you know, again, kind of dive into what we know works.
0: You're you're suggesting that higher education should in communication with secondary education look for the best practices and see what works as as you suggested, right? And then and then replicate, right? So my assumption then is that that isn't happening broadly between higher education and secondary ed. So how how could parents use knowing that, use that information to inform how they interact with their students or the advice that they give to their students in choosing college I
1: appreciate that. And I think I would share kind of the adoption versus adaptation, right? So necessarily so, so replication as much as it is um uh, you know adapting. So we're not, you know, it's kind of taking what works and just reproducing it, right? We're figuring out how it actually adapts to our different cultures, our communities, and then so a the basic frameworks and tenants. And then the idea of I think because it's so so dispersed, both higher education and secondary education. I think that's where, you know, the opportunity comes into play because again, there are great opportunities, and it, it just similarly to the college or the university, in this case, community college. There could be a specific focus of the high school, right? So at some point in time, like it, you know, it may make sense for a high school to have a different partnership with a different college or university. You know, so the kind of it's it's interesting to look at it across the board. It really does kind of go to you know who you're supporting, what the goals are of each educational institution. Um, just kind of wanted to 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 hit on on that on that
0: piece. And so, uh, bonus follow up question for you: since you're at a two year school, there there also isn't a formal way within higher education, and specifically two year schools and four year schools. To communicate, right? There isn't there. There's not always a formal way of communication in between two and four year schools. So, as a spokesman for the for the two year schools, what advice do you have for four year institutions?
1: For four year for four year schools, I mean, I may sound like a like a a, a broken record, but do we we know a lot in higher education. We've done all. Taking on a lot of initiatives um, and even community colleges that are 50, 60 years old. So, when we know something works, so what works? Having students be able to seamlessly transition from a two year college to a four year institution, right? Meaning all their credits go and they transfer in as junior status, right? And so they have two years. We know that's advantageous, right? As opposed to not all of their credits transferring. So when we continue to work, and we do this at Nassau Community College, and I know it's done nationally is, but looking at our, what we call articulation agreements and ensuring that students are able to transfer, ideally all of the credits that they've earned at the community college, right? Because the last thing you want to do, maybe not the last thing, but you don't want to spend two years, two and a half years at a community college and think, wow, I am now junior status and go to a four year institution to find out that you have three more years of higher education to receive your undergraduate degree. Right, but we know kind of to my point earlier, it's kind of growing what works. We know that that works. And you can see that with SUNY Seamless Transfer and the efforts to try and help students transfer seamlessly. We have an articulation agreement, we have articulation circulation agreements at Nassau Community College with several institutions. We just enhanced our articulation agreement with Adelphi, University, which is fantastic. It actually gives students um, the opportunity to, to live and experience Adelphi University firsthand um, while they're enrolled at Nassau Community College. It also provides that opportunity where they're working with advisors from day one, so we can do the best possible thing, um, put our best possible effort forward to ensure all their credits transferred to Adelphi, and they transfer in as juniors. Uh, so, so there are again promising practices, successful strategies out there, and really diving into those and with an equity focus and a, a data informed lens. I think is what what we can do, and what a lot of two year and four year institutions have been doing. So, there's a lot of good work going on out there.
0: And I will link the because I recently read the the Adelphi. Uh, concurrent enrollment program, which, congratulations, is fantastic. It really speaks volumes to the, to the work that you're doing and the direction that you're leading the institution, um, but I will link that to the show notes so, so listeners can read as well. So I think at this point, that's all the questions that I have for you, and Jermaine, I really want to thank you for coming on the Future College Parent podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's always, it's always good to chat with you.
1: Likewise, uh, always great to chat with you. The pleasure has been all mine, Justin. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for providing this resource uh, to, to parents.
0: Wow. Didn't I tell you? Jermaine is such a champion for access and equity in higher education. And I know there's a lot to process there, but I want to share with you five things that I learned from my talk with Jermaine. Number one, community colleges are typically open access, which means anyone who completes a high school education or equivalent can get in. Congratulations, your student can attend a community college. However, this doesn't mean the academic rigor is lesser. Community colleges are accredited or confirmed they meet the same standards of academic quality as four-year institutions. Number two, students who start at a community college can succeed at a four-year institution with the foundations they gain at the community college. The diploma your student will receive from the four-year institution after attending the community college will read the same as the students who began at the four-year school. The only difference is that community college students will likely pay significantly less for their first two years at the community college. Number three. Parents should know that seamless transfer isn't always guaranteed, meaning all the credits earned at the community college may not transfer to the four-year institution. It's important to check with the four-year institution for details. Number four, your community college can be accessed now. There are programs and services for high school students like the ones Jermaine mentioned, such as taking college courses in high school, summer programs, or even taking your senior year at the community college. Check them out now, do not wait. And number five, last but not least, if you don't know what to ask a potential college, start with what you do know. Remember Jermaine's bucket analogy. For example, if you know college costs money to attend, you can simply ask, how does someone pay for college? I promise you, it's okay to not know, but start with what you do know. Now I'm wondering, what did you learn by listening to my conversation with Jermaine? I am giving you homework, because just listening to the podcast obviously wasn't enough. Please head to futurecollegeparent.com where you can access the Future College Parent Network and post what you learned by listening to this episode and engage with other listeners so we can learn together. Also at futurecollegeparent.com, you can access the show notes for a wealth of information on the items we discussed during the episode and check out all of our social platforms. While you're at it, please share the podcast widely with other parents, leaders of activities your student is involved in, and your school administrators so they can share with your school district. You can also let parents know the show is streaming directly from the website, and there is no need to download anything. Just point your browser to futurecollegeparent.com and enjoy. The show is also on your favorite podcast platforms as well. I want to thank Dr. Jermaine Williams for coming on the show, and I again want to wish him well in his new adventure. I hope you'll join me for episode two with Michelle Friedman, Director of Career and Technical Education at CVES BOCES. After listening to the premiere, be on the lookout for new episodes beginning on Wednesday, May 4th, and continuing Wednesdays every two weeks after. Thanks for listening to the Future College Parent Podcast.